Hey guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, and that is Unify Health Supplements. Unify have the most premium, high-quality, science-backed products on the market in Australia today, and you guys can use the code TFLP to save 10% off your next order at unifyactive.com. Unify has a range of products, including whey protein isolate, plant-based protein, a pre-workout, creatine monohydrate, and their best-selling product, the Hydration Formula. So again, use that code TFLP to save 10% at unifyactive.com. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I am back today with a solo round. Uh, we're going to run through some Q&A. This is some questions that I've been receiving on social media. I, uh, I put up a question box on my Instagram story the other day. If you're not following my account already, it's at DJK Fitness. I put up as much free, valuable content as possible on there. Uh, but we had a bunch of really good questions around training and nutrition. So I'm going to run through some of those for you guys today. Uh, but before we dive in, I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who's been listening to the show lately. Um, we've seen some really good growth on the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast where we're about 10, I think this might be episode 490 or maybe 491. So we're not far away from episode 500, which is absolutely incredible to think about. Um, you know, I started the podcast in 2016 and we've put out at least one episode every single week since and it's been incredible. I'm so grateful that I started the journey and I'm also incredibly grateful for everyone who listens to the show and um, you know who sends me emails or uh, DMs and stuff with feedback on the episodes and um, yeah, I just genuinely really appreciate it and it's something that I just absolutely love. I love recording the podcast. I love sharing this content with you guys and um, I'm definitely not slowing down. The best really is yet to come, um, including over these next 10 episodes. We've got some really amazing guests that are going to be joining the show uh, and I can't wait to share all that with you guys. But that's enough for me. Let's get stuck into some of these questions for the episode today. And um, I'll mention as well, I want to do more of these Q&A episodes because obviously it's stuff that you guys want to hear. It's as much value as I can offer. And as always, it's my opinion. Um, in, I'm never saying, I, I never like to say that my answers are the only way to do anything. Um, I guess I pride myself on going out you know, getting experience in certain um, areas of life, right? Whether it be training, nutrition, mindset, business, whatever it may be, and then sharing my experiences and documenting them along the way as well. And hopefully you guys can take value from them. Um, so if you do have questions that you want it answered on the show, you can either send me an email at danny at dannykennedyfitness.com or just head to the website or social media or wherever. Um, send through your questions if you'd like to be featured on the show. We might start doing at least one of these Q&As per month. The first question here is, should you weigh yourself or not? Now, I guess it's a bit of an open-ended question, right? And the answer is going to vary from person to person. But the way I look at it is this. I think scale weight can be a really good indicator of progress, right? Whether you're trying to build muscle mass, whether you're trying to lose body fat, scale weight can be a good indicator over time, particularly if the progression is is heading in the right direction over a long period of time. So I think 
Firstly, if you're someone that has a lot of weight to lose, the scale will be a great indicator of whether or not you're making progress in the right direction. If you're trying to gain muscle mass, trying to gain size, it can be a great way to make sure that you are not putting on too much weight too quickly, of course. But what you have to understand with the scales um, is that our body weight fluctuates so much from day to day, even hour to hour. I think there's a, I think it's roughly around two to three kilos plus or minus our body weight can literally change in the space of a very short period of time, purely due to things like water weight, right? Depending on how much sodium we've had, depending on how much water we've drank, depending on stress levels, food types. Um, there's so many different things, even coming down to how long since we've trained or when we actually trained, our body weight can change. So, The first thing that I wanted to say, I guess, is that if you are weighing yourself at random times of the day or random times of the week that are inconsistent, it is not it is not a clear indicator of success. It's not a reliable indicator of your progress. So if you are weighing yourself, it should be done every single day on an empty stomach first thing in the morning after you've been to the bathroom and we should be taking a weekly average. That's going to be our most reliable reading on body weight itself, okay? So if you're weighing yourself, it can't be at random times. It has to be consistent and my opinion is always first thing in the morning on an empty stomach after you have been to the bathroom. So we can take that weekly average to make sure the trend is heading in the right direction. So even if there's a few spikes here and there, depending on different variables, we can tell whether or not it's actually moving in the right direction or not. So if you're someone who's got a lot of weight to lose, the scale is going to be a good indicator. Again, if you're trying to gain size, gain muscle mass, it can be a great indicator of how quickly you are actually gaining that weight or hopefully muscle mass. Um, if you're someone who is just trying to to track the trends of your weight, obviously it's a great idea to track your, your body weight if necessary. But sometimes people get way too caught up on this number, right? Um, and I've had so many people that I've worked with over the years that have been doing all the right things, right? They're tracking the macros, they're training really well, they're feeling good, their clothes are fitting really well, their progress photos look fantastic, but then this number on the scale is not what they want to see and it completely dictates their happiness but also their decision-making process in whether or not they change things with training and nutrition, which is not a good thing, okay? So if you're doing all the right things and everything's heading in the right direction but the number on the scales is not what you want to see, it should not dictate or determine what you do or, or making drastic changes in short periods of time, okay? Because even in a fat loss phase, a successful fat loss phase, there will be weeks where the scale weight does not change. But visually, you may see that you are looking leaner. Clothes may be fitting better. Your mood might be fantastic. Your training's great. Your energy's good. You're getting compliments left, right, and center. But if the scale weight doesn't change, it doesn't mean that things aren't working, The other thing to keep in mind is that if you are new to training or if you've got a lot of weight to lose or for those people that are listening that are potentially, you know, pharmaceutically enhanced, if you're using some form of um, exogenous uh, supplement, I guess you could say, um, to enhance your training, right, Uh, PEDs or whatever we're talking about, I think majority of the audience won't be, but I guess it's, it's worth mentioning that it's possible that you're losing body fat and building muscle mass at the same time. Okay, we'll come back to the most common ones, particularly those who are relatively new or lacking experience in training and you're just starting out and you're starting to see really good progress. You may lose body fat and build muscle at the same time. All right, if you've got a lot of weight to lose, again, high likelihood that you may increase muscle mass and decrease fat at the same time. So when that happens, and this is what body recomposition is, right, where 
you know, ideally changing our body fat percentage and it's coming down, but we're also ideally increasing lean muscle tissue. When that happens, sometimes the scale weight won't be the best indicator. I've had a number of clients who have worked with me over a long period of time and their body weight is relatively similar from start to finish. But when you look at their progress photos, it's night and day, all right? So they've quite clearly made progress, but the scale weight hasn't been the best indicator. So I think a really long answer to this very simple question is that if you don't get too caught up on the numbers and you're able to look at it with the with the correct perspective and you're just wanting another variable that you can track, then body weight tracking your body weight in terms of scale weight is not a bad idea, okay? But it's also not completely necessary. I have a very large percentage of the clients that I work with that are tracking their progress through progress photos each week under the same conditions. Again, um, waist measurements, the way their clothes fit, using body scans and stuff like that as well, um, and just genuinely how they look and feel. So it's not the end of the world. And I think something that I, I mentioned to a friend yesterday is that, people get really caught up with this number on the scales, but how often have you heard anyone walk up to someone and go, oh my God, you look so good. I can't believe how great you look. You've made so much progress. What do you weigh? Fucking absolutely never, right? And if they do, that's very fucking bizarre. But I think, you know, the whole purpose of me saying that is just to to understand that scale weight is not everything. Um, But if it's something that you want to track, of course, do it, but make sure you're doing a weekly average and not just weighing in at completely random times. Next question here is how to get good at pull-ups. So how do you get good at pull-ups? And I'll start off by saying that I absolutely love pull-ups. I think they're one of the best upper body movements you can do. Um, I think absolutely everyone can be doing them in some way or another. Uh, They were definitely one of the more impactful movements that I use particularly early on in my uh, training experience or training um, progression, I guess. And I built so much lean muscle mass and, and really changed my physique through uh, doing pull-ups, right? So I think it's important to start off by saying that most body weight movements are improved by frequency, okay? And what I mean by that is just doing them more often, okay? So there, I know plenty of people who are strong as fuck but cannot do pull-ups, right? So your your strength, your upper body strength or whatever does not always correlate to body weight movements like pull-ups in particular or even dips and stuff like that. So for starters, we should be doing them at least twice a week, okay? If you're really wanting to improve your pull-ups, I think at least two times a week, if not three, um, obviously giving enough time in between to recover, repair and grow and all the rest of it. Um, the best way to see progression, in my opinion, is always obviously starting with some form of assistance. So whether you're using an assisted pull-up machine, uh, you might be using resistance bands and stuff like that that are attached to the pull-up bar. Um, I always recommend putting your foot in the band instead of the knee, uh, but completely up to you how you want to do it in terms of the assistance. But I think it's important to start off by setting the amount of sets that you want to be doing. So it might be three, might be four. Um, I would typically recommend between three to four sets and figuring out the rep range you want to work within. Okay, so let's say we're going to work within a rep range of two to eight reps. Okay, so between two and eight. What we're going to do is we're going to start with some assistance, all right? And the goal with pull-ups is to not be failing on any set other than the last set. So if you fail on pull-ups in the first set, they're not going to get any better in in the following sets. So... The best way that I have seen to improve the pull-ups, and we'll touch on a couple of accessory movements in a second, but in terms of actually doing the movement themselves, 
All right, and also the other thing to mention is focusing on the cues, right? It's it's understanding what you're actually what movement you're trying to create. It's thinking of the hands like a hook, okay, and not gripping too hard. It's pulling with the elbows. It's making sure you're working through full range of movement and not starting off by doing half reps and then gradually getting better at half reps only to realize that you can't even do one full range rep. But we figure out how many sets and reps we're going to start off with. We pick an assistance that we're going to be using. So let's say we're using a thick resistance band. And what we're going to do is we're going to do all sets for the same amount of reps. Okay. So let's say we're starting off with a certain um, band and we're going to do three sets and we're starting at three sets of between two to eight. So let's say we're starting at five. So let's assume that we can get all three sets for five reps. The next time we do these, we're going to add a rep. Okay, so we're going to aim to get three sets of six and we're going to rinse and repeat until we eventually get to three sets of eight with perfect technique until it feels comfortable. What we're going to do from there is we're going to reduce the assistance, so make the band less resistance, I guess, or or use less assistance on the pull-up machine. And then we're going to go all the way back down to two. All right, so then we're going to go three sets of two with our increased difficulty until we gradually build those up until we're getting to three sets of eight and then we just rinse and repeat. All right, so we're doing these over and over and over again until we eventually, at some point in time down the track, get to the point where we are doing our first body weight pull-up. Now, we might go back to sets of one, right? It doesn't have to be sets of two, but we're getting to the point where we're doing body weight pull-ups. Now, I have seen this time and time again with clients. Um, my partner, Danielle, she has been through this process and she is dominating and nailing them at the moment doing sets of weighted pull-ups now, which is pretty epic considering that she'd never done them before when we first started. But this is the same process we used. So frequency, making sure that you're only failing on the last set, if any at all, and understanding the movement you're trying to create and getting stronger in that movement. So to do that, we can also add in assistance work as well. Right, so we might be doing um, some modified reps of pull-ups with like a TRX band, a TRX uh, setup. Right, another really good one is to start doing uh, negative reps, so the eccentric phase of the pull-ups. So you might put a box next to the pull-up bar. You're just going to use your body weight. You're going to start at the top of the pull-up, and then you're going to come down as slowly as you can to start teaching the muscles and the central nervous system to be able to deal with that load and get used to it. We can be doing things like rows to strengthen lats. We can be doing things like lat pulldowns, obviously, to strengthen that movement, strengthening the bicep muscles as well, which are secondary muscles in our pull-ups, and keeping our mobility, like staying on top of our, our mobility as well, all right? So you want your shoulders to be nice and mobile um, to move through that, that, that range. And be patient, all right? Just be patient and be consistent. Consistency and starting to compound those efforts over time will make a big difference. So hopefully that is a good answer to that question on how to get good at pull-ups. Next question here is, how do I increase muscle definition or tone? This is a good question and this is actually, I did some content on this today, so it's perfect timing. Um, I feel like I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I'm going to go over it again now. So realistically, with a muscle, we can do one of two things. We can either increase or decrease muscle size. Okay, so the the muscle either hypertrophies or atrophies, atrophies, however you want to say that. Right, either gets bigger or smaller is basically what I'm trying to say here. Okay, so if we're we're progressively overloading, we might be eating a slight calorie surplus, our muscle can start to build and increase in size. 
All right, if we get deconditioned, so we're not training as much or we're eating in uh, calorie deficit and we're not eating anywhere enough and we're losing strength, our muscle can actually decrease in size. But a muscle cannot be toned or defined, right? So the first thing that's worth men- mentioning is that you can't do certain rep ranges or exercise to try and tone an actual muscle, right? The focus should always be on increasing lean muscle tissue as often as possible without training by progressive progressive overloading, uh, varied rep ranges, varied angles, um, varied loads over time and progressively doing more, all right? That's a, that's a given. The next thing that we can focus on is reducing our overall body fat percentage enough to reveal the shape, all right? So I talk about a gaining phase or a calorie surplus is where we put in all the work. That's where all the hard work gets done, all right? We make all the progress in the surplus or at maybe even at maintenance sometimes, then the reward is when we go into the calorie deficit in a fat loss phase because as the body fat comes down, we get to start to see and we get to reveal the shape of the muscles that we have worked so hard to actually improve, right? And when the body fat comes down and you get to see the shape of the muscle, that's what creates the illusion of definition or tone or when you start to look ripped or shredded or however the fuck you want to say it, absolutely peeled, okay? So that is how we create that illusion. So... It doesn't involve you doing lightweight with a fuck ton of reps or crazy different exercises or a million sets or any of that type of shit. You have to understand you can't, there's no such thing as a fat loss workout, right? I'll repeat that. There's no such thing as a fat loss workout. There are just workouts that we use in order to achieve a certain objective or result. Right, so we should be trying to always retain muscle mass and strength, if not continue to build it in a in a, a fat loss phase. Okay, at the minimum, trying to retain it. And then we use our nutrition in order to eat in a calorie deficit. So over time, our body fat is reducing overall. Remember, we can't spot reduce body fat either. So certain areas will take longer than others. Okay, doing a fuck ton of crunches is not going to give you great abs. We're going to touch on that in a second, actually. But um, over time, when the body fat comes down, we get to reveal the shape of the muscles. And that's what creates the illusion of definition and tone. Okay, so your focus should always be on training performance and then using the nutrition to give you the results that you're wanting in terms of how the body looks and getting that tone defined rip look. So I, I typically fucking hate the word when people say like toned or defined. I'm uh, not defined, but toned in particular, right? Because it gets used so much within the fitness industry. But I think it, it is a goal for a lot of people and it's just because there's not enough education around what it actually is, I guess. But um, there you have it. Now you do know what it is or, or how to achieve it. So you can't t- tone a muscle, but you can increase muscle size and then reduce body fat to make it look like you have toned a muscle. All right. We're going to do two more questions here because I want to keep this episode quite short. So the next one, we'll touch on the abs one. So how to train your abs for a six-pack or visible abs? Um, And this is very similar to the last question, to be honest. But I think it's really important that you understand we – firstly, we use our abdominal muscles for basically every movement in the gym. All right, We use our core for every movement in the gym. Otherwise, we'd just be like this fucking piece of jelly that just – flops around because we wouldn't have any our core wouldn't be activating but ab muscles are very similar to any other muscle group when we think about trying to improve our abs if we wanted to improve our glutes we would progressively overload movements like hip thrusts and squats and lunges and all the rest of it to increase the muscle size so the the glutes look better right and same things i said before as the fat comes down you see the shape a bit more 
If we wanted a bigger chest, we would look at how many times a week we're training chest. We would make sure we're getting stronger. We would make sure we're doing more volume over time. We would make sure we're lifting with perfect technique, allowing enough time to recover so our chest can grow. Well, abs are no different. Okay. Yes, they're a smaller muscle group and yes, they can handle more volume and load or not so much load, but are definitely more volume over time. So we can be training them a little more frequently, but it doesn't mean we should be training them every single day of the week. All right. It also doesn't mean that we can go in and just do a shit ton of crunches and expect to have really good abs because we did that at five minutes a day every day for a week. Okay, you would not do that with any other muscle group. You wouldn't think that if you went in and did five minutes of bicep curls every day for a week that by the end of the week your biceps would look good. But people seem to think that by doing direct ab work when you want your abs to look good that they're just magically going to look great. Think of your abs like any other muscle group, all right? So choose your frequency, how many times a week you want to train them. I have gone through many different phases of how often I train my abs. Um, at the moment, it's honestly kind of usually like a maximum of twice per week, but um, at times I've done kind of you know two, three, sometimes even four times a week for my abs. But I think of them like any other muscle group. So when I train them, I'm trying to overload that muscle group, right? So I'm doing more weight, more reps, more sets, different angles, different rep ranges, different loads, right? So doing weighted ab movements to actually develop the ab muscles, because what you've got to keep in mind is, yes, you can only see your abs if you've got low enough body fat percentage to see the abs. But what you can do is actually start to build the ab muscles so that they become slightly more visible even at a slightly higher body fat percentage. All right, so this took me ages to learn. Like I, I've said this on the podcast before, I was an absolute fucking nut when it came to when it came to training my abs. I did them endlessly over and over and over again. All right, but thinking about the different ab areas as well right so you've got our lower abs we've got our kind of inner core muscles like transverse abdominis and whatnot we've got our obliques and our upper abs right so upper abs think things like uh sit-ups weighted sit-ups uh decline crunches stuff like that rope crunches like ab ab crunches with the rope cable sorry um obliques so think rotation right landmine rotations uh russian twists um oblique crunches you know, things like bike crunches and stuff like that as well. Uh, wood chops. Lower abs. Think things where we're, we're rolling the hips towards the ribs. So to work our upper abs, we're shortening the distance between the ribs and the hips, but we're rolling down. To do the lower abs, we're going to roll the hips up. All right, so reverse crunches, lying leg raises, hanging leg raises, hanging knee raises, uh, Roman chair, I think it's called, that one where you kind of rest your elbows and stuff on the on the bench and roll the hips up. And then a lot of our stability stuff as well. Right, so pallof press, planks, side planks, all that type of stuff um, where we're stabilizing the core. But just think of your abs like any other muscle group. And then, of course, as the old saying goes, abs are made in the kitchen. Yes and no. Okay, so abs are built in the gym, revealed in the kitchen. Okay, so that's when we need to be eating in a calorie deficit. Over time, consistently eating enough protein, being consistent, and you will have visible abs. Every single when – I, when I hear people saying, I don't have abs – well, fucking everyone has abs. If you didn't have abs, as I said, you'd just be flopping around all day. So everyone's got abs, right? Not everyone's abs are as developed as others, but everyone can develop them and everyone can eat in a slight calorie deficit over time in order to reveal those abs. Again, very similar to the muscle tone, muscle definition question. Last question here uh, that we will go through today is, does eating small frequent meals improve your metabolism? And the short answer is no, 
Um, this has definitely been one of the more popular or common myths over time, I think, um, when it comes to nutrition. I used to believe it. Um, you know, I used to think you're here all the time, got to eat these small frequent meals throughout the day to stoke the metabolism and keep it uh, burning to make sure that we are expending as much energy as possible. But in reality, that's just not the case. Um, again, it, it really comes down to are we consuming a total amount of calories that is going to put us in a negative energy balance or a positive energy balance? Negative energy balance, calorie deficit. Positive energy balance, calorie surplus. So if I know how many calories I'm going to be having, and I've mentioned this before on the show, I'm thinking of my intake like a financial budget. Okay, How do I want to spend my calories for the day? For me to eat five to six small frequent meals throughout the day, just it's just not it. It doesn't suit me, man. It, uh, I don't enjoy that. And typically, it just makes me even more hungry. Right? And it's also inconvenient when I'm busy with work. So for me, it's typically, I don't really have that much at breakfast time. I might have a shake or something like that or a smoothie. Um, if I'm really hungry and I'm in a calorie deficit, I may have something like protein oats, which is my favorite. Cook the oats with water, add in a scoop of protein, add some frozen berries, add some sugar-free maple syrup, some peanut butter, uh, what else have I been using? Sugar-free chocolate syrup lately and good to go, man. It's a, one of the best meals ever. But getting off track, um, I typically don't eat that much in the morning. But what I will do is I will have majority of my calories later in the day because that's when it suits me, right? So small meal in the morning, lunchtime, it's usually quite a big meal for lunch. Middle of the afternoon, again, maybe some snacking, um, maybe some protein sources in the afternoon to hold me over till dinner. And then at nighttime, I go ham. I have my big dinner. I'll typically have some dessert. Um, and then, of course, try and finish up my last meal a couple of hours before I go to sleep. And then we're good to go. All right. So I'm not worried about how many meals I'm having. My focus is on how much I'm eating for that day. Now, I think in terms of meal frequency, it's important to look at how often you are having serves of protein and your protein distribution throughout the day. Um, you know, muscle protein synthesis uh, peaks, I guess, or is turned on when we are consuming uh, serves of protein, of course, like throughout the day. So um, if I'm only having one meal a day, then I'm kind of not optimizing my muscle protein synthesis. So I typically recommend no less than three meals a day. But again, it's everyone's personal choice choice and preference. Depends on what your goal is. If you're trying to build lean muscle mass and, and retain a lot of lean muscle mass, I would say that more muscle protein synthesis, the better or more frequent. But this more frequent meals is not a thing. You just have to look at what's going to suit me best. How am I going to allow myself to stick to this this goal, this target over a longer period of time, what's required of me to make this happen? If that means that I'm having small frequent meals, awesome. If it means that I'm having less frequent meals and larger quantities at each meal, awesome. If it means that you're going to have, you know, fucking all over the place, bits and pieces here and there, then go for it. Um, I just think if we're nailing our protein intake, which I typically recommend is kind of two grams per kilo of body weight um, as a minimum, if we're nailing our calorie intake, and we're in a deficit if we're trying to lose fat, right? Or if we're in a surplus, if we're, we're trying to gain muscle mass and size. And we're choosing majority of our calories from nutrient-dense whole foods, the healthier options that are going to make us feel good, perform well, optimize our health, and we're saving a percentage for the stuff that we enjoy most, right? So that we're not excluding any food groups that we love. We're not restricting ourselves or depriving ourselves of things that we know we can't go the rest of our life without. We're going to be consistent. We're going to see results. 
Our metabolism will be absolutely fine. What damages the metabolism is dropping calories way too low for an extended period of time. Okay, that is going to fuck your metabolism a lot more than not having small frequent meals. Right, so we need to start to look at the bigger picture a bit more. These small little details really aren't going to make much of a difference at all. Right, you don't need to focus on that stuff when we're not even focusing a lot of the time on the main things that are uh, actually moving the needle. Okay, so make sure our calorie intake sorted. If you guys want to figure out how many calories you actually need per day in order to see your result, you can use the link in the show notes, which will send you to my free macro calculator. Um, uh, I'd love to hear if you have any questions or any feedback on that macro ca- macro calculator, but um, you can feel free to go and use that to make sure that you are nailing your calorie deficit or your surplus or your maintenance or whatever you want to do. Uh, but no, small frequent meals will not increase metabolism. Again, think of your calorie intake like a financial budget um, and spend it wisely or spend it however you want to do it. But um, that wraps us up, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this solo episode today. I've actually really enjoyed recording this one. Um, hopefully, it's answer- answered some of your questions. Again, I want to start doing more frequent Q&A. So feel free to send in as many questions as you'd like. I'd love to uh, feature you on the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast. I might actually start sharing who's sending them in as well if you guys want to hear, I guess, your names read out on the podcast, which would be kind of cool. Um, but I appreciate you listening. If you haven't subscribed to the show already, I feel like you should probably go and do that now. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you did. So that'd be awesome. Thank you. And um, I'm looking forward to chatting to you guys on the next episode of the show. Thank you so much.